Hey there, mama, and welcome back to the Moms Overcoming Overwhelm podcast, episode 64. I'm Emily McDermott, and I am here beside you on this journey as we work together to declutter your home, head, and heart. I have been doing some in-person and virtual decluttering coaching, and it has been amazing to see the results. And I wanted to share today some feedback from Becky, who is in the Facebook group, and I was helping her with a one-hour virtual session where we were looking at her three-year-old daughter's room. And after our chat, I gave her some homework, and she was able to implement it. And when I followed up with her, this is what she had to say. The clothes in the closet are now lower so she can grab them and hang them up herself, which she loves. Her stuffed animals are down to half. Still more to go, but she cleared them down to half, so I'm leaving it for now. The train she got out to play with today, she put it back after bath. She pulls out a box, plays with things, and puts them back before grabbing another. She'll pull out a book to look at it and put it back to get another one. She's been cleaning up and keeping up with it and has been playing in her room most of the time, so now toys aren't in the living room. Well, if you are interested in spending one hour to have this kind of impact in your home, I would invite you to head over to simplebyemmy.com forward slash coaching to see how I could help you. Now, today we are going to be talking about four tips for you, my overwhelmed mama friend, to jumpstart your decluttering efforts. And I love giving different perspectives of other people in the decluttering and simplicity space that have different ideas than I do, so you can learn something new. And today's guest is someone very special, my friend Amy Slinker-Smith from Simply Enough. She is a living Simply Coach and writer who lives, like me, near Washington, D.C., with her husband, Steve, her son, Zach, and Zeke the cat. She helps empty nesters and working moms go from overwhelmed, unmotivated, and disorganized to the freeing feeling of a weight lifted in a clutter-free and organized home. And I know you're really going to love this conversation with Amy Slinker-Smith. She's my friend. She's my mentor. She's actually the reason I got into this whole decluttering and simplicity space in the first place. So what do you say? Grab the notebook and pen and let's dive into today's conversation with Amy Slinker-Smith. Hey there, mama. Are you tired of all the stuff crowding your home calendar and mind? Do you wish you could say goodbye to the endless to-do list running around in your head? Want to declutter but don't know where to start? You're in the right place. Welcome to Mom's Overcoming Overwhelm, where you will find proven and practical solutions to declutter your home, head, and heart. Hi, I'm Emily, a wife, boy mom, and simplicity seeker. I struggled to get pregnant and felt overwhelmed until I discovered decluttering could create the physical and emotional space I needed to become a mom. Now two kids later, I've transformed my life and motherhood by developing simple systems around decluttering, capsule wardrobes, kid stuff, cleaning and tidying, meal planning, time management, and more, and I can't wait to share them with you. If you're ready to reclaim the time and energy you crave, be present with your kids, and finally enjoy the life and motherhood you so deserve, let's kick overwhelm to the curb, shall we? Grab your lukewarm coffee, your notebook and pen, and clear off some counter space. Let's do this. Well, hi, Amy. Thank you so much for joining me on the Moms Overcoming Overwhelm podcast. I am so excited to talk to you today. Me too. This is great. Such an honor to be invited. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. So you and I are buddies and I have you to credit for me doing any of this in the first place, honestly. (laughs) 
because you came, you came and spoke to a mom's group that I was um, a part of. And I was like, wait a minute, what? Like you can talk about this stuff. And then I started talking to mom's groups and, you know, doing it, doing the podcast. And so I just really want to sincerely thank you for being uh, a mentor and a friend that has been helping me so much on this journey. And I know you just have so much wisdom to share. So I'm just very excited. Well, you're very, you're very welcome. And I love watching all the different, you know, steps that you've taken and I am, I am equally inspired by your journey. So I think there's a whole lot of like back and forth that we do in, in the space. And, and there's so much to, to talk about. And there are different perspectives that I think resonate with different people. Um, and so I've, I've learned things from you that then, you know, I've brought into my own, into my own space with my own audience. So I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Well, I would love if you could take a moment to introduce yourself and your family, talk about kind of what you do, the people that you serve and, you know, when you're not doing all that, anything that you might like to do in your yeah. free time <laughs> in my, in my copious amounts of free time. Absolutely. So, well, thanks. Um, so I'm Amy Slinker Smith and you can find me at simply enough. And I started my business in 2016. I stepped out of almost 20 years of corporate consulting to launch my own business and to be even more intentional about, living simply with not my time, you know, my resources, my talents, my money, all of the above. And so um, my family, I have a little family, my husband, Steve, and my son, Zach is a, uh, a junior. We'll be launching him in 16 months. I actually have a post-it on my desk that tells me how many months, because I want to be intentional about those months. And um, there's one more boy in the house. I'm completely outnumbered. Um, Zeke, the cat, he's actually right here with me in the office. He is often with me in the office. Um, so that's our, our little family. And I serve mostly empty nesters and working professional moms with like school age children who are, who are realizing, I think that the stuff has started to pile up and that it's started to become an obstacle or the empty nester who definitively knows that they want less and that they're they're turning the page to that new chapter. So those are primarily the people that that I work with, which I love. Um, I love coaching them. I love teaching them. I like writing to them, all, all of the above. And then as far as my spare time, well, as you know, you'll find me at a lot of Penn State football games in the fall, and you'll also find me skiing in the winter or on the pool deck in the summer. So um, we love the beach. My son is a swimmer, so we're we're all things water in the summer, and we're all things snow in the winter because he's a snowboarder. So that's just a little bit about me. Yeah. Awesome. And yes, we have a lot of things in common. <laughs> yeah. And one of the other things we have in common is just sort of our um, journeys to becoming moms. And I've spoken on the podcast before about sort of my infertility journey and just how yeah. it really shaped uh, how I was able to view motherhood and, you know, what actually matters to us as women and as moms. And I know, you know, when Zach was little, you kind of have had several different epiphanies as you've kind of gone through this motherhood journey. And I was curious, uh, there's probably not just one example, but if you could just give one example of when you felt, you know, completely overwhelmed, whether that be by your schedule or your stuff or 
any of those things. And, you know, what was that catalyst or kind of that moment when you realized, oh my gosh, light bulb, you know, goes off, something needs to change. This is not the way that I'm supposed to be living my life. This is not how I want to be a mom, you know, any of those things. Could you walk us through one of those examples? Yeah. I've got a pretty vivid one that I can, like I, I could go stand in the spot in the parking lot where I was when it happened because the view is kind of that vivid. So I was, as, as you alluded to, we do share that infertility journey. And I think for, for certain that is a part of the path and a part of the plan a little bit for me. I can see that in hindsight. I do not mean to diminish that for anyone who is going through that actively right now. It's, it's one of the hardest things that you'll go through. And so being on the other side of it, having this infant son and doing, there was a day where I was doing the daycare dash as I, as I like to call it, because I was, had gone back to work, you know, four or five months after having Zach and we were doing all the things, you know, we were climbing the corporate ladder and I was taking him to daycare and my husband and I were, you know, dividing and conquering and, and thought we were still doing all the things. And there was a day where I picked up Zach from daycare and I was always the pickup person. And so this was a normal part of our routine. And I stopped at Target to do a Target run. And I can picture where I was in the in Northern Virginia, the Reston Target in the parking lot. And it's raining and he's still in the infant car seat. And so, you know, you get the car seat out and you hook it into the cart and you do the things, but like the weather was terrible. And I And I sort of had this moment as I'm getting out to get him out of the car seat or get him out of the car and put him into the cart and take him in the rain and go into the store. And I was like, what the heck am I doing? I, first of all, I I was working easily 45 to 50 hours a week, if not more than that. And I was picking him up and having a few hours with him at most in the evenings before it was time to do, you know, dinner and bath and bed. And so most of the time with him in the evenings was really logistics and was really care. It wasn't quality time of enjoying it with him. And I just thought there is nothing in that store that is more important then taking this baby home and sitting on the floor and letting him like roll around and play and just have the time being present with him. And that was, that was the light bulb that went off. Like, not only is there nothing in that store that will add value to my life, everything in it is going to be work for me this evening, because no matter how few bags I bring home, I have to unpack them. I have to recycle the plastic. I have to do something with all of the things. I have to find a place to store them in the linen closet or in the pantry. And there's those closets are already too full as it is. So there's not an easy way to do any of that. And that's that's what got the ball rolling. That's when the train started. And that's when when I when I talk about this with people, I'm like, after that, anything that was nailed down, if it wasn't nailed down, it was fair game for, and you know, I've told you this before, like the only two things that were safe in my house were Steve and Zach. And that was it. And anything else was a candidate for being donated or thrown away or just literally evacuate, just get it out of my house kind of mindset. And not much has changed except the third thing that's safe is now the cat. He's not going anywhere. I was just going to say, 
<laughs> I knew the yeah. cat had to come into the picture at some point. He, um, he does. He does. He's very important in our life. And and just as a, a tiny sidebar, like we didn't have pets for years because I just felt like I couldn't even take on the responsibility of another thing, another human being. And I only had one child in my home because that's all we were able to have. But the idea of caring for yet another like thing and stuff and human being, you know, a, a live thing was just not something we could do. But but eventually I thought, OK, we've made room for a pet. And I think that's a very undervalued part of the decision when people bring pets into their home. But it was a very intentional thing for us. And it it was a freeing feeling when we brought a pet into our home. Like, no, we can totally do this. We have room, we have time, we have money, we can, we can do that. So that's just another piece of it. Yeah. I think that it really will resonate with my listeners, just this kind of doing things habitually that, you know, you're doing so much that is like the logistics, like you said, we're doing the pickup and then we're having to do this and this. And to really have that moment that maybe you were so used to prior to that, like doing the target run and just kind of going into the store and maybe not even for things that you needed, but just kind of some of these other random things and just having that moment, like, oh my gosh, like what, what am I doing right now? (laughs) And that is really so eye-opening. And I love that that was such a a memory that's kind of seared in you that you can remember that so clearly. And that coming back to that why, even though it's, you know, 16, 17 years later that you're like, okay, this is what I, I know clearly what matters to me. And it is not what is in that store. Like that yeah. store is not the answer. And we like to, you and I, we like to pick on Target. <laughs> we do. We, we do. love it. And we don't like it at the same time because I feel like it really does cater to, and we've talked about this before, cater to moms as in like, okay, you're stressed you know, it's been a long day. Well, go on the target run and you're going to feel better. And meanwhile, anything you get, like you said, is work is just extra work. So yeah, Yeah, their, their advertising and marketing is so good. I I have the utmost respect for the people running that organization because they do a great job. That's why they have a Starbucks there. You know, that's why, you know, the advertising and the way the end caps are set up, it is all meant to, you know, entice us. It has that sort of Pottery Barn-esque section to it now where you walk in and see, oh, if I just buy these things, my house will look like this gorgeous display in Target. And that simply isn't the case adding in invariably adding things to our home is not what makes it more organized. It's removing. Yes. Amen to that. Well, we're going to get into these four tips. I'm so excited because my overwhelmed mamas, the question I get all the time is where do I start? Where do I start? Is just clutter is surrounding me on all sides. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I don't know what to do. Help. (laughs) So I would love it for us to go through these tips because you and I, like you said, we do have different expertise and perspectives. And I love if something can resonate with listener that maybe I haven't even thought about. I just am very excited to share. So in the same vein of our target conversation, (laughs) what is your first tip for how we can start on our decluttering journey? Yeah, this is probably, I mean, at this point in the conversation going to come as no surprise to your, to your listeners. My, my first bit of advice that I give to anyone is, is stop shopping. 
And I, and sometimes I will say, stop the inflow. Like I, I try to couch it and, but it, it, but that's not, I feel like that's not serious enough. The, the answer really is to stop shopping. You have to identify, you have to identify the apps that are on your phone. You have to identify the store that is a trigger for you. For me, it was Target. I, to this day, I make one to two trips per year to Target because it's, wow. it's that much of a trigger store for me. I know that when I get in there, even with a list, it's very hard. Costco, I think, is another one where their advertising is very good. They make all their money in the middle of the store, and you have to walk around all of the high marked up items in the middle of the store that you didn't know you needed until you have to walk by them. It'll be bathing suits right now at this time of year. It'll be, you know, beach chairs. It'll be beach towels in volumes, too. Suddenly, you need three or five of them. And that's again, simply not true. So, so identifying the stores, identifying the apps on your phone that you could delete, turning off one click, disconnecting credit cards, all of these things are ways to make it less convenient and force a pause. And so for me, it was about stopping, stopping shopping meant I wasn't going to stop at Target anymore, or I was going, if we needed something, I was going to try and buy it locally. So I started buying my saline solution and all of my toiletries just at Giant at the grocery store down the street, because I was already going there and I was less triggered to buy more impulse buys at a grocery store than I was at Target. So just making that simple shift and sure, I was probably paying, you know, 20 cents or maybe a dollar more even on some of those products, but the money I was saving by not going into Target made all the difference. And so I think when you identify what those stores are and when you stop the inflow, it gives you a chance. The reason it's important is like, it gives you a chance to get a handle on what's already there because you're overwhelmed by what's already there. And so then you can start to deal with the, the existing and taking that pause also helps us to figure out, okay, could I, could I conquer this differently? Could I, could I substitute an ingredient? Could I use up a bunch of like travel toothpaste? Could I borrow something from a neighbor? Could I repurpose? Like that concept of need and want really starts to set in. Okay. What do I need from Target or what do I need from Costco? versus when I get there, what are the things I want? So hopefully yeah. that makes sense. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And you're right. I mean, with the inflow of everything, you can't, not only can you not assess what you actually have, but also it's just like, you can't breathe. Like you can't think because you just have the constant energy and time, which is required to process everything that is coming in. And I know even with, you know, groceries, which most people would think of, right, that need rather than the want, if I don't check to see the inventory that I already have, then I go to the store and I'm at Costco and I'm like, I think we need this. I don't remember. And then you end up having like way too much, which again, managing space, like where does it go? Like, how do I keep track of it? So, and just like you said, understanding those trigger places. And I know you're mentioning, you know, the apps and just like the stores and everything. And then also, you know, email notifications or just kind of not getting those retail emails because you don't think you need something until there's that 30 to 50% off you know, sale that's going on suddenly like, oh my gosh, I can't live without it. Right. 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 And I think too, you know, I've had some folks that I've talked to after, after a talk that I've done who have said, 
you know what? You're right. There's some influencers on Instagram that I need to stop following because mm. that's where, you know, they find themselves doing that and then thinking that, oh, I do need that, yeah. that new bathing suit because it's all the things that are influencer are going to influencers are going to be talking about will be timely. And it'll feel like that's something that, that you need as well. So, so there's lots of ways to, to, to crack the code, but a shopping moratorium in whatever way works for you, whether it's, you know, Amazon is the problem, whether Target's the problem, Costco, just deciding to not be in those spaces for a period of time can help you see how you can still, how you can really identify the needs and you can possibly purchase the needs elsewhere such that yeah. it doesn't bring more excess into your home. So, yeah, I love that. Okay. Let's move on. To tip number two. I'm very excited. I feel like Vanna White. Here's tip number two. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love it. This is good. This is good. Okay. So this one has a couple of components to it. And it really is about the getting started because just like you, I when I start to to work with my coaching clients, I want them to feel that this is achievable because most often they're starting they're trying to tackle the whole house, especially if they're an empty nester who's getting ready for a move or, you know, I've worked with families who are actually moving to bigger homes, unfortunately. And, and so there's, but they're still trying to do the right thing and to set the new house up in, in the right way, which I, which I think is great. And I, and I applaud that and I celebrate that. So I want, you know, anyone who starts into this space and is feeling overwhelmed by no matter how big or small your home is, you have to start small. You have to start with your own stuff because remember, you're the one listening to this podcast, not your husband, not your kids. And you have to start in spaces you use daily because that creates some motivation. You start to see those spaces. And I always say, just pick five small spaces, write them down. What are those five spaces going to be? Something as simple as your purse. Maybe it's the diaper bag. Maybe it's the work bag. Maybe it is the junk drawer. Maybe it's just the silverware drawer. Maybe it is the medicine cabinet. Maybe it's you. Know, maybe you go a little bigger and you're ready for the linen closet. If you're not ready for the linen closet, then one shelf in the linen closet. Like just breaking it down into small projects. There's hundreds of studies that show that we are much more productive when we work in smaller bits of time on smaller projects. And yet I think the inclination is, oh my gosh, it'll take me two days to do my clothing closet. Therefore, I'm not even going to start. Well, you can. You can start with your clothing closet. That's fine. Just start with shirts and just start with short sleeve shirts and then do long sleeve shorts and then or shirts and then do sweaters. And then, you know, so there are ways to break it all down into the into these small projects. And I've got to go back to the start with your own stuff. Because so often, and I'm sure you hear this too, like, what do I do with all my kids' toys or the kids are the clutter problem or my husband's hat collection? And so much more is caught than taught. And they, your family will see the difference in you when you start to feel like places are settled and your eyes have a place to rest. And it's easier to find the pink spoon for your daughter in the silverware drawer because you've gotten rid of all the spoons that she doesn't like. That's a real example. One of my my clients did that. And she realized that, you know, when you have 18 spoons and your daughter only likes the pink one, there's really no point to having the other 17. 
And that's, you know, that's what was affecting their morning routine. Like they couldn't get out the door because the daughter wouldn't eat the breakfast without the pink spoon. And it's like, just eliminate the excess just get rid of the obstacles. And so that's what, that's what starting with daily spaces helps with too, you know, getting ready in the morning means that you can be ready. You can be fully present with your kids. You can be, you know, getting their lunches packed and getting them out the door, but they see that difference in you and they want that. So my husband is a great example. My, to this day, I have less clothing than him. But for years, we did the twice a year clothing closet swap. And we had a bunch of bins in our cedar closet in the basement. And we'd haul them upstairs, unpack them, repack them, declutter a little bit, donate some clothes, take them all back downstairs. But we were still shopping. So no matter how much we donated, the volume never really changed. And so eventually I thought, I'm tired of this. I don't want to do it anymore. And I had been moving enough stuff out that I could get everything in one closet and one dresser. And so the only thing that was left in the basement closet was his bins. And he said to me, he said, Hey, which bins of these are yours and which are mine? I'm like, they're all yours. I'm all done. Not doing it anymore. He said, really? He said, they're all, all four of them are mine. I said, yeah, all four are yours. And he said, okay. He's like, well, I think I can do that too. And so it, it just, that's all it took. Like I, I didn't say, Hey, you should do this with me. You'll feel better. You'll save two weekends out of the year. He came to that conclusion all on his own, just because the only bins that were left were his anymore. And, um, so then eventually I stopped putting stuff in the dresser and everything is in my clothing closet and he has done the same. So wow. all of this is like come along. And I know you have listeners with young kids. And so my son routinely brings me shirts and says, Hey mom, you know, Nana got this for me and I don't really love it. I don't think I'm going to wear it. And he just puts it in the donation pile, which is, it used to be a box in our spare bedroom, but now it's just sort of a spot. It's like this designated spot on the floor that's known to everyone. It's so routine in our house. It's known that if I find a shirt there on the floor, that it's a donation item and they know I'll just take care of it. So, so that's kind of how this start with your own stuff really works. And the starting in spaces you use daily, they will see, even if it's not their stuff, they'll see that it's easier to find a glass or find the pink spoon or whatever it is. They see it, they like it, they feel it, they want more of it. So trust me on that. Yes. Oh, I love that so much. And I love that you're kind of confirming what I like to say is just that all the little pieces, they do add up. And it's hard when you're overwhelmed by something to think that anything is going to make a difference or make a dent. But if you combine the kind of, you know, stopping the influx of stuff, and then you're able to do what you have in those small bits. And that's great. You said the purse, because normally I'm saying the car or the bathroom or linen closet, but I love that idea of the purse or the diaper bag, because again, it's that small space that you're in all the time that really makes that huge difference. So I love that. And kind of in the same vein of making it easy for yourself, how about work uh, for tip number three? Can you tell us what that might be? Yeah. So I've, I was fortunate to be a part of, there's a, a blogger that you and I both know and love an author, um, Joshua Becker of Becoming Minimalist. And I was 
fortunate enough to recently be a part of a new training he's doing for professional organizers. And it was a good reminder for me to go back through his course that he has and a good reminder of, you know, there's so many things that he's taught me over the years that frankly have become a part of, you know, what I teach. But he reminded me over the last few months going from easiest to hardest. So when you're starting in your home, Do not start with the storage room. Do not start with the garage or the basement. Or if you're in three clothing closets, if your clothes are kind of spread out, don't start there. Start in the easiest rooms. And quite often that is something like a family room or a living room, like a common space. And what I find also helps is to define how you actually want to use those rooms. So if the clutter has piled up such that the room doesn't have definition, in other words, you know, a family room to me is a space where we have family movie night, where we have family game night, where my husband and I, you know, prop our feet up at the end of the night after my son's gone to bed. And so that's how that room is defined for us. There was a period of time where it also doubled as a playroom. There was a corner of the family room that was designated as his play space. And so the volume of toys we kept in the family room had to fit in that boundary. You know, we created a boundary for what his his toys would be. And it was a cabinet that was already in the family room. And so just defining those spaces first helps you figure out what stuff's going to live there and what stuff needs to be relocated. But really starting easiest to smallest, you start to gain some momentum because spaces start to clear out. They start to feel lighter. They start to feel easier. Like I feel like a linen closet in a bathroom can be an easier space to start. Even bedrooms minus perhaps the clothing closet, like getting the flat surfaces helps you sleep better. But easiest to hardest in your home is undoubtedly like the best way to go when you're first starting with your entire house. Yeah. And I love thinking about like the purpose, you know, what's the purpose of the room and then being able to make decisions based upon that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I love this tip number four, because this is what I try to remind my mamas all the time and say, this is the truth in love. (laughs) It is. So give us the truth in love for tip number four, Amy. Well, the truth in love is that no more excuses. We, we all, we're all busy. Okay. I might have a 17 year old, but I'm, I'm still busy. It's a different kind of busy. I was busy when he was little too. I was doing the daycare dash. As I explained, I was working full time and you have to make time for the work. I truth and love, I realized that if I had time to do a target run, which was going to add probably 45 minutes onto my, you know, evening commute, then I had time to go home and declutter the pantry. I had time to go home and box up some stuff and put it on the front porch for a donation pickup. And I think that when I started to think of the shopping as taking my time away from my home, taking my time away from my family, taking my time away from the things that really mattered, like this work is just too important to not do it. And I started setting aside time on the weekends, be it, you know, when my husband was off at the park with our son or early in the morning or late in the evening. It's just, it doesn't matter when it is. It doesn't matter if it's the cu- only an hour while they're at preschool, like if that's all the time that you have between the drop-off and the pickup, because I know that's a small window, but 
take that time to declutter one drawer or one cabinet and resist the urge to just bring more stuff in. So um, it's too important to not do the work. And once you get going, as you and I both know, like there's no better feeling. Like there's no better feeling than creating the kind of spaces that we have in our homes now, being on the other side of it. And we're having a room where you walk into it and your eyes have a place to rest. And all you have to do is prop your feet up at the end of the night and, you know, pour yourself a cocktail, which is often what we do, um, or a cup of tea and just sit down and have an opportunity to, to breathe and not feel like we're looking around and scanning the room for all these unfinished projects in our home. Um, my home doesn't feel that way anymore. So, um, so I know it's hard to understand that when you're not on the other side of it, but, but I want that for all your listeners. Like I want them to be there. And if you start in a small, easy space, you start with the family room and then you start to increase the, the difficulty, I promise the momentum really starts to build and you just want to do more of it. Like that's, that's our favorite thing to do. Right, Emily? <laughs> oh yes, definitely. Well, yeah. thank you. Those are very helpful. And I'm actually, I want to, you to have some time to be able to talk about where listeners can connect, but I'm going to recap the yeah. tips if that's okay with you. Cause yeah. they're so good. Tip number one, stop shopping, please. Yes, please. <laughs> we beg of you. Uh, number two, start small, start with your own stuff and in places that you use daily, which I love. Uh, tip number three, go from easiest to hardest, which again, we like starting with the easy for sure. And number four, make the time to do the work. No more excuses. If you can go to Target, if you can watch the Netflix, if you can do, you know, whatever it is, you have yeah, time Instagram. to Instagram, yeah. Instagram. Yes. You yeah. have time to declutter. So those are awesome. Yay. Thank you so much. And I would love if you could tell us where listeners can connect with you, where they can work with you. Just tell us all the things so that they can find you and learn more from you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So I have a little place on the internet called simplyenough.net. So that's where you can find all the things Amy Slinker-Smith. Uh, you can find me on social at Simply Enough Amy. So I'm most active on Facebook and a little bit on Instagram as well. And then finally, I think if you know any of your moms are looking for, for a way to get started and looking for a roadmap, I have a kind of a five-day decluttering challenge, and I call it an email course. And so you can get that at simplyenough.net slash email dash course. And it's also on my website under free resources. So um, there's some other free resources there that they might love too, like meal planning and, and things like that. So I welcome any of them on my little home on the internet, simplyenough.net. Wonderful. And I'll link to all of those in the show notes. So thank my, you, my friend, thank you so much for coming on the show. And yeah, I know that these mamas are really going to be blessed by all of these amazing tips in your story and everything. So thank you again. You're welcome. My pleasure. If you like today's podcast, here's what you can do. Just take 30 seconds to leave me a review. I know you're a busy mama. You're overwhelmed. In fact, but 30 seconds of your day makes such an impact. I'll be blessed by your words. They'll definitely make my day. And who knows, you might be entered for this month's giveaway. An Apple podcast, scroll down to write a review. Thanks so much for your time. I'm so grateful for you.